My next question is that also based on my personal experience. So as you know, I've studied in the US for two years and did my master's there. And, you know, the, the experience of being at the university, if I compare to Germany, was completely different. So in the US, first of all, you have, it seems like an endless number of subjects that you can study. So literally, like there are hundreds of subjects. And this is something that I feel like you know, certain subjects, I didn't even know what they were, and they were not offered in Germany. So it, did this, this was one part of the experience where I felt like, you know, if you're passionate about something, or if you want to find something that really suits you, you can find it in the US, because they there will be a university that has, you know, a course, or a, a course of studies about that. So that was one aspect that I found interesting. Um, something else that I found very interesting is that how you were treated as a student actually because that was kind of i know very surprised oh. yeah it was kind of surprising because and from the experience in germany is like you're a lot on your own so you know if you have questions yes you know you have professors and you know but there, there isn't i don't, didn't feel that there was there's a culture of of trying to help you to to get from you know a to b it's more like you know um, you're here now so you know, figure it out on your own. And I also felt like even the, you know, often the, the people who are there to help you, you always felt like you were bothering them. And then I had this experience in the US where you basically supported on, on all levels. Um, and also I, I, I always felt this was a bit, this was the big difference, I guess, that people or staff, in the US at universities, you felt, or at least it felt like they really wanted to help you to get better. And they were, you know, if you needed more time, they, 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 you know, they didn't say, oh, my office hours from 10 to 11. If you, if you showed up at five past 11, they closed the door or something, which, you know, happens in, in Germany, for example, but they were much more willing to, to dedicate time and even more time if you needed to it. And, like not i mean not only the professors but in in general the staff in general or the the whole atmosphere was different and it felt like you know they were really trying to help you and, and things and I, I was wondering do you have any idea where that comes from or or this like difference in in experience well i think to your first question about uh, the courses that are offered uh I mean, that's a part of the university system uh, here in the United States is there's a wide variety of, of courses that a student has uh, the access to uh, because uh, just because you're going to study one, one uh, subject doesn't mean you're not interested in another subject or have an interest in other subjects. And so you have the opportunity to, to take courses in something outside of what you're is, um, so that again when you graduate you become to society uh, mm -hmm. for example uh, when I was in university uh, I took a course on African history Afri mm -hmm. my my um, my major in university was exercise science <laughs> uh, but I took an elective in African history because I I was interested in yeah. in the continent okay. of Africa and African history and uh, for me, it actually was a kind of a, a precursor to something that would happen later in my life where I would join the Peace Corps and I would mm -hmm. go to Bulgaria and serve for three years 
um, in the Peace Corps. I found out about the Peace Corps in this African oh, history uh, course, right? So th the point is, you know, schools offer these variety of courses so that students can get a very uh, broad education, uh, not necessarily specifically in what they're studying, mm -hmm. but things that maybe they're just interested in because yeah. that's going to add value, uh, hopefully add value to that student's I mean, before uh, you, student's be, life. I mean, before you answer the, the second part, that's interesting as well from my perspective, perspective, because that is actually what doesn't happen in Germany because you're very limited. Um, and what you said, for example, to study like exercise science, I mean, I'm pretty sure we have that somewhere, but I think it's more compartmentalized somehow. And I don't think you could do a, a course in like, you know, I mean, we probably don't have African history or something, but we might have something else. But universities or the educational system perceives it as, oh, no, this doesn't go together. Because, you know, if you want to study, you know, something about, you know, exercise science or if you that it doesn't work. And it's the same, which is interesting to me, for example, in I studied to become a teacher at, at secondary schools. And there is, you cannot study certain combinations of subjects. Um, to be honest, I don't really know the, the reasoning behind that. For example, um, you couldn't, so you can study two foreign languages. So you could study English and Fran uh, French, um, but you cannot combine I mean, I don't know if this is still true now, but I couldn't combine. So I, I wanted to study geography. Um, and then there was a limited number of subjects that I could actually combine. So I decided then to study English and geography. I could have done English and French, but for example, I couldn't study English and, and math, for example, or I couldn't study physics and I think biology or there's, there's and so it's kind of, you're, you're limited. And this is also like my experience in the US that this is not the case in, in, in the US. And that might be interesting to know as well from, you know, the perspective of someone like going to university in, in Germany. And, you know, I'm, I'm, also thinking that this again might have something to do with this idea or this this kind of different concept that you know Americans have about education that they they look at it like you know you want to have a well-rounded person and one person is not only interested in one specific thing and doing something else doesn't mean that you know it takes away from you know the one thing that you're studying for example what you just said yourself so this this course in African history actually led you on a different path because you joined the Peace Corps later on, which is something that you, this 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 wouldn't have happened if you know if you hadn't done that. This is kind of interesting. I mean, maybe you can um, tell the listeners what the because I don't think in Germany we are all really fully aware of what what, what is the Peace Corps. Maybe you can just give a brief explanation of what that is. So, so very briefly, the Peace Corps is uh, a government agency that uh, sends Americans to uh, developing countries mm -hmm. uh, with uh, three goals in mind. The three goals are to, um, to educate uh, people of the other country of Americans, mm -hmm. um, to, um, to educate Americans of uh, the people in the country where you served. Uh, and they also do some kind of technical training uh, in okay. in the country. Um, so it, it's a it's a uh, an organization, but more broadly, it's a program 
that uh, is about cultural exchange, cultural and technical knowledge exchange uh, mm -hmm. in in developing countries. Interesting. I mean, we might have this 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 too in in um, Germany. I'm not so familiar with these kind of um, um, programs. Um, like I said, that's why I can also not comment on it. But it, it's interesting, and it's basically that's that's you know the point that you know that was interesting to me that this seems you know that this 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 idea of this well-rounded individual is more important or is is a, is a different a different understanding of of you know how you know how what what makes a human being basically i think and i mean we also in this in this podcast um, about secondary schools you could already see these the, these you know differences in if you looked at the German universe or the German secondary school system and the, you know, the U.S. secondary school system, so that was interesting to me from from this perspective as well. Um, yeah, well, uh, you know, a, a big part of that that process is is you know what you mentioned before about uh, the access to professors and the relationship you have with your mm -hmm. professors, um, because uh, in the U.S. system. Uh, it's encouraged to to have you know a relationship you know with with your professor mm -hmm. so that um, you can uh, you know succeed and that you can uh, get the uh, education that you're paying for because remember it's not cheap right and so yeah. um, it's encouraged that yeah you you build a relationship with your professors now the thing is the larger the university the more difficult it is right mm -hmm. to to build a relationship with the professor. Uh, in, in the U.S. system, probably is similar in Germany as well, we have, uh, or professors have assistants. So usually it's a grad mm -hmm. student or, or other students who assist the professor and they become like a liaison uh, mm -hmm. to the professor and you build relationships with those assistants. Um, but as you go to a larger school, it's difficult to have a direct kind of relationship, you know, with the professors but it's still encouraged and professors still have office hours. Um, many of them make themselves available outside of their office hours, you know, to help students, you know, to, to of course, with the goal of enriching their experience, right. And their, um, their education at, at the school. Do, do you think this is, this, so is this, because you mentioned like the, the, the money that comes into play, right. This idea. So, because you're paying for university. So if I pay $60,000 for four years of studies, you know, I want something in return. Um, and for example, in Germany, you don't pay. So, you know, in a way, why would the professor care how good you feel about your experience? Because you're not actually, you are not paying him in a way. Do you know what I mean? Do you think this, this plays a, a part as is this, is this the, 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 you know, is this the main thing or do you really think there's a, a cultural difference as well? I think it probably plays a factor in it, right? I mean, I don't know what the salary is of a professor in, in Germany compared to the, to the United States, uh, but in general, uh, uh, tenured professors. So in, in the U.S., we have different types of professors. Okay. Right? We have professors who are tenured, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that they are um, kind of like permanent professors there at the school, uh, uh, associate professors or visiting professors, professors who are just there to teach a course 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, for one semester or one year and, you know, and then maybe they will, they will leave and go somewhere else. And so they're, they're not a permanent fixture at the, at the university. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know what the salary difference is between, you know, the U.S. and Germany, but in general, tenure professors make a very, very nice salary. Uh, and well, it's because we pay for it, right? I mean, we, we pay a large sum of money to, to go to the school and, and I think when you do, there's always something about when you pay for something, you expect for something in return, more so than if you don't have to pay for it, right? So if something is given to you for free, uh, I think uh, from a psychological standpoint, uh, you may you know, expect less from that. Uh, so that may have something to do with it culturally, that in the United States, we, we pay a large sum to go to school. And so therefore, we expect you know, a lot in return for that. Um, you know, that money. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I was just looking on, on online about, and it seems like, so professors start with like 4,000, depending on the, on the state, 4,000, what, 500 euros per month to uh, some, some states around 5,000. So let's say more than 4,500. If you're like a, I think if you're a full professor and then um, if you have, um, I guess if you're if you have a longer tenure, then you make more than six or seven thousand even, um, depending on the on the you know on the state that where you teach. So I don't know how this compares to the US. Do you have any? Do you know how much a professor makes? I mean, it also depends on the university, right? Because exactly, yeah, yeah it, it depends on the university. I think it depends on also with these with the tenure, right? I mean, tenure yeah. isn't just you know a ceremonious kind of thing, right? I mean, there's an expectation that a tenured professor, you know, writes, makes research or um, contributes towards uh, peer review uh, studies and articles. And, you know, there, there's an expectation that they bring some notoriety back to the uh-huh. university through their work, right? And, and because of that, they're, they're compensated very nicely for that, you know, that kind of work. Interesting. Um, I have another question that is something that's maybe you know, I mean, probably we also Germans are aware of this through films and, and I mean, general knowledge anyway, but that in the US you have this kind of, you have a couple of, I don't know how I would call them, maybe elite universities, like, um, you know, like the, the Ivy League universities as they are called. Um, so, you know, like, could you, can you name all of them? Is this something like that? You would any um, would would the average American would they know these kind of top universities by name? Um, so in general, the Ivy League uh, title for these schools is is well known. So mm-hmm. if you say I went to an Ivy League school, okay. in general, the American populace would would know what you're talking about. Now, would they be able to name all of the schools? Maybe not. I mean, we know the most popular ones, right? Harvard. Yale, Princeton, Columbia, uh, I believe Brown mm-hmm. University. Um, so th- these schools are, you know, have name recognition, uh, but there are also other elite schools as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Stanford University. Stanford okay. is on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, MIT, MIT, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these these schools are are considered, you know, el- the elite uh, universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only in the United States, but arguably in the world. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I looked at some rankings, some international rankings, and I think like, I mean, these like what do you what do you mention these these three? I guess maybe, you know, most prestigious one: Harvard, Yale, and and Princeton. They are always amongst the like the top five or something universities in the world or something. So that's interesting. And um, I also checked be, before um, doing this podcast with you. I checked like what the tuition fees are for these universities, and basically for these Ivy League universities, it ranges you know, from $52,000 per year to $62,000 per year. And this leads me to the, you know, to this, to the next question of like, who can actually afford to study there? And, and how, how are these universities perceived in, you know, in American culture? Is it, are people, you know, do they look down on people who study at these prestigious universities, you know, or, or is it, is it the, you know, uh, uh, you know, how, how, how is that basically? Well, so to answer that question, uh, in general, uh, the Ivy League schools are, uh, are looked at very highly, right? So mm -hmm. if you say that you graduated, because if you say that you graduated from, from an Ivy League school, the perception is that you are well-educated, that uh, you are... Um, you know, the best of the best uh, mm -hmm. that, that America has to offer, um, especially in certain fields of study, like mm -hmm. law, mm -hmm. uh, like medicine, right? I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I believe almost all of, you, of the U.S. presidents uh, have gone to an Ivy League school at mm -hmm. some point in their educational career, mm -hmm. right? It's, so it's mm -hmm. Uh, going to an Ivy League school is like a stepping stone or, or a, a, okay. a stepladder to the upper echelons of, you know, of society. Uh, so they looked at, you know, very highly. Uh, now, how do people afford to go there is the other, you know, question. Uh, I think in general, uh, first of all, because they're elite schools, you have to have the credentials in order to be able mm -hmm. to, to get in, right? So you have to have very high grades in high school. You have to have very high test scores in addition to all of those other things we talked about as far mm. as extracurricular activities, um, because uh, these Ivy League schools recognize that their reputation mm. uh, really uh, is affected by the type of students that they accept, you know, into their schools. So they're trying to accept the best of the best. Now, mm -hmm. in general, uh, the students, uh, from what I understand, mm. uh, from what I've read, uh, the students who don't necessarily have the financial means to, to go to mm. these schools, but they have their credentials, uh, these schools uh, uh, make, uh, make exceptions or they, mm. they create a pathway for these students to be able to go there. Uh, many of these schools have huge endowments, right? endowments in the sense that people are donating millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to these schools every year and these schools try to use a lot of this money to uh you know to bring in students who don't necessarily have the economic means to be able to go there but like i said they they have their credentials so many times these students are given scholarships or uh some type of financial aid to be able to attend 
these elite schools, even though they don't come from a family of, of wealth and of means, because you have to come from a family of wealth to be able to afford 50, 60, $70,000. So in general, yeah, I mean, don't necessarily come from wealthy families, but have the exceptional uh, credentials. Uh, the schools, um, you know, create opportunities for them through scholarships and other financial aid, you know, means. I mean, what, what you've just mentioned is interesting. And I, I checked this again now. What you mentioned is this, this aspect of an endowment. And I checked and just for, for the listeners and the, and the viewers to, to imagine what this means, if you don't know. So Harvard University's endowment is valued at uh, for almost 41 billion um, US dollars, which kind of, you know, just to, to make everyone aware of the, 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 the size or the proportions of, of, you know, the, the wealth or the money that is actually available, you know, for these things, I guess. Well, and it's also good for the, for the university as well, right? Because it's a public image uh, issue as well, if they're only accepting very wealthy students and not students from, you know, more humble backgrounds, right? And so the schools want to try to accept these students mm -hmm. in because for them, it's a good public relations, you know, thing mm -hmm. to, to run on that, that we're accepting all students. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you have the, if you have the credentials, we're going to, we're going to make sure you, you come to our school. Uh, so for them, they, they have an incentive, right. To try to, to get, you know, these students into their, into their school. Um, one of the last questions to kind of, you know, conclude this topic about tertiary education. And this ties into what we've just talked about already that, you know, studying at university is very expensive. And maybe this is also like, you know, something that maybe you can answer personally as well. But the, so if, is it actually, you know, does it make sense in the, in the US at the moment or in the, you know, in the, in this decade to actually go to university, do you actually get value from this? Do you know, does university, is it, you know, still, um, you know, a factor that, you know, gets you a better job or does it really, or does it also depend on, you know, which university you have your degree from? Because I can imagine, for example, that, you know, if you have a degree from Harvard, um, you don't really have to look very long for a job. I mean, I'm, I live in England now, so, you know, I know from, you know, the, the, I, I mean, I taught at the private school and I know some students who then went to Oxford or Cambridge and they told me that basically finding a job afterwards, it's not that difficult be, simply because, you know, they, you know, of the connections they make there, of course, but also because of the name of the university. And I'm wondering, so is this, is this, you know, is, the, is there still a lot of value to a college degree or, and also from your perspective of having done it, um, is this something that, you know, also like now at the moment with the situation that we have, like with COVID, like, you know, that basically you cannot go in person to a university anymore, but I think you still have to pay the fees. So, so how do you think, what would, what is your, you know, personal opinion maybe even about this, you know, this aspect? Well, I think in general, uh, the, value of a college education has 
has been watered down or has been, uh, you know, decreased over time just because of the fact that so many people um, are going to college and university and, and graduating with a college education that now it's almost an expectation that you have a bachelor's degree in order to get a job. I mean, I think before long, even, you know, working at McDonald's, you're going to have to have a bachelor's degree just because because that's the trend, right? That's, that's the way we're moving as a society because so many people are getting an education. So um, in, our, in our previous episode, uh, we talked about how uh, this generation is the most educated generation uh, in world history. Uh, and a big part of that is because uh, people, students are going and getting a, co a college and university education. Uh, and so uh, because of that, uh, there has been uh, a expectation that uh, you have at least a bachelor's degree in order to be able to, you know, to, to get an entry level job uh, mm -hmm. in, in the United States. Uh, and so uh, there is a difference though, however, between having a degree and having an education, because just because you have a degree, does that mean you're now prepared to go in and, and perform a job. So that begs the question, what's more valuable, right? Or what's, mm. what's of more value to, uh, to, to finish high school and to go directly into the workforce and get experience, mm -hmm. uh, valuable work experience, or is it more valuable to go to university and get an education and then come out and start that work experience? Uh, my personal opinion is uh, whenever you go to apply for a job, what's one of the first things they ask you is what is your experience? Do you have at least five years of experience and, and this or that, mm -hmm. you know, field? And so I think uh, there is, uh, I think there is value in both work experience as well as uh, going to university and getting an education straight out of high school. Um, I think it depends on the field of study that, mm -hmm. uh, that you're going into. Um, I think, there's a lot of professions uh, in American society that uh, is, uh, is undervalued. Mm -hmm. Plumbers, electrician, mechanics, right? These people that keep the economy going, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, in general, we don't think of them as, you know, with a high status in society, mm -hmm. but they provide a valuable, uh, you know, uh, resource to us uh, as a society. Um, we place more value on doctors and of lawyers uh, and of scientists and, and these kind of degrees. Uh, and so uh, you can have a, a very successful and very stable career and life in these other, you know, fields of study. I think we would call them trades or, or, or trades rather, trades being, you know, mechanics, plumbers, mm -hmm. you know, electricians, mechanics, those kind of things. Um, I think in Germany, you have uh, special uh, schools that you go mm -hmm. to in order to mm -hmm. train for these. Uh, and in the U.S., we do, but to a lesser degree uh, than, than you have in, in Germany, because in the U.S., mm -hmm. students are kind of funneled into that university mm -hmm. educational path.